Hey everyone, it's Emily Murphy with Grow What You Love, a show about unexpected stories of people and plants and growth with a capital G. Now here's what people are saying about the show. There's so much to learn from Emily and her guests, plus it's entertaining. I love that each show is recorded in the homes, gardens, and studios of guests. It's like I'm in the room and part of the conversation. Thank you so much, Living Green, for that wonderful review. Now, this next guest is Nicole Landers. Nicole is a mover and a shaker and an incredibly powerful woman in the best sort of way. She's the co-founder of Community Healing Gardens, a nonprofit that fosters community and educates at-risk adults and children on the importance of growing food through urban gardening and culinary arts from Venice to Watts. Before finding herself running Community Healing Gardens, she was deep in the entertainment world, working as a publicist and a marketing director. So you could say that Nicole's own life has grown in verdant and unexpected ways these past four or five years since the founding of Community Healing Gardens. It's truly an inspiring organization, fostering positive change while uplifting the community. We have so much to learn from her work and the genesis of her organization. I can't wait for you to hear how her story unfolds. I met with Nicole on a curbside in Venice Beach, California, next to some of the many veggie boxes lining the streets. So Community Healing Gardens was literally born in my co-founder's backyard. And what was the what was the concept behind the name itself and the drive to create it? Well, the name itself Community Healing Gardens came out of weeks of getting together with community members here in Venice to discuss the fast changes that were happening. So we talked with elders and we talked with former gang members and we spoke with new neighbors mm-hmm. and local store owners and restaurant owners to you know ask the question you know how are you really doing here how did you get here do you want to stay here and you know is this where you want to you know is this the the place in your life where you want to be a part of your community and what i found from a lot of the elders is that they felt like they had no place anymore there was a lot of families that have lived here for decades that felt a little out of place too. And and then the businesses, the local businesses were suffering because rents were being raised if they didn't own their own business. Like the mom and pa shop that sold my favorite salsa is gone. Now it's a restaurant and the owner of that restaurant is also a local restaurant owner. So it's, they're trade-offs. And he created jobs, more jobs than the local, you know, corner grocery store. So, right, right. but then a family got moved. But do we really know the story about the family? No, I don't know if it was like a good thing or a negative impact, but there's impact right? Good or bad. So basically, we got together a group of people, concerned citizens from our community, this whole melting pot, and had a mind meld in in my co-founder's backyard. So my co-founder owns a local yoga studio here, and he grew up in LA. His community-based business model, I think, really helped to form Community Healing Gardens. He was in a permaculture class. I was studying at sustainability course at UCLA. And we had had these meetings with different community members and then culminating into this potluck in his backyard. And that culminated into Community Healing Gardens. It was born from that conversation and the two of you coming together with your backgrounds. And the, and the social experiment that ensued was how do we find open space where we can do something that has no gate, no membership, no cost to the end user if they don't want it to cost anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, where, what could we do? And then we saw the open space on the sidewalks, and we saw that we could potentially grow something. Right. So these places that are basically 
what some people might call hell strips, right? They're the space between the sidewalk and the road where no one typically wants to tend to it because there's generally no water to it and that's where the weeds grow and it's a lot of extra work, so why bother? And you're taking these unwanted spaces, unused spaces, and putting these boxes, which are really beautiful because they're filled with so many different types of plants. The box we're sitting next to now has strawberries, these beautiful burgundy red lettuces, marigolds, and actually some ornamentals. There's coleus for color. And the box next to us has a native milkweed, which is in flower and supporting monarch butterflies and other pollinators. Yeah, we literally brought back the butterflies to Venice. To Venice. No uh, joke. I will, I, will, I will take that as the credit for Community Healing Gardens that we brought the butterflies back. In, own it. In droves. Yeah. Absolutely. Own it. That, that. And these Parkway raised garden boxes are a symbol of community and the resiliency and the love that we have for it. And the parkway space that we use most sit in the red zone. And most are on, you know, all actually are on streets wide enough for ADA requirements. And this would have been dead space. Some of it kind of ugly and barren. Some of it has a little nice grass to it, depending on whose home it's in front of. But it's a mostly residential neighborhood. So what else is happening with it? Unless you're putting shade trees on it, which we need more. But if not, let's grow some food. Let's grow some food. Yeah. And some flowers. And some flowers. And, and so what What's is your food? What's your food? A lot of them are yeah. edible, right? Yeah. Community Healing Gardens is about four years old. It was four years old, June 15th. And we are officially for like the nonprofit, four years old, October 15th. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank and, you. We're going to have a celebration in October. You'll have to come back. I would. No I would, joke. We could auction off a day with you in, in uh, Napa with your book and your gardening. I mean, that could be a pretty cool package. We'll find a hotel and we'll package her up. All right. Did you Spend hear a day that, with Emily. Did you hear that? October. Community Healing Gardens event, we're all in. In Watts. In Watts. I'm going to do it on the farm in Watts, which we'll get to. We'll, we'll get to because I want to talk to you about Watts. But first, one of the issues you were addressing when you started this conversation about Community Healing Gardens was the people in the community that were either being displaced or were displaced or feeling pushed out, elders, other people in the community that felt like they maybe no longer had a home and a place that was always their home. How have these boxes affected them? Anytime you do something community related, that's a beautification, unless it's impeding somebody's livelihood, I think you'll get a positive reaction, whether it's painting a mural on dead space that would have a horrible ad on it, right? Or, or just like an ad that we don't need to see anymore of, mm-hmm. <laughs> like freeze the fat. I think this is just an extension of that. That was the medium that we chose. And for the most part, we've been We've been so well received. We've had over 500 volunteers just in Venice alone, and we have companies calling us to do community days of service for CSR. So we must be doing something right when you have like Honest Company, Tom Shoes, uh, Lyft called today, like, hi. <laughs> we want to be a part of your project. Exactly. Because it's making a difference. That's right. And who doesn't want community in their lives, right? Whether you're a business leader in the community of LA and Venice or you are a resident, you know, wanting to know your neighbor. And what I find is I'll come out in the morning with my dog and I see community members picking it or, you know, looking in it with their kids. I see a lot of the elders and the mamas, especially the Latina mamas, coming and picking food all the time. That's amazing. Just to eat that day. Correct. Which which is another question I have for you. So 
these boxes, anyone can pick from them. Correct. Anybody. Anyone can pick. Yes. Take it home. Eat it. Yeah, I mean, pick it right now. Pick it right now, eat it. So like, there's a couple, there's blueberry bushes on different corners, right? And these, the blueberry bushes on different corners, as soon as they start turning that nice purpley bluish color you need, they're gone. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I pass them when they're still like green turning into purple. And literally, like when I know it's about to turn, I go check it and I'm like, <gasps> and there's none for me. Okay. <laughs> so funny. But someone's enjoyed them. Absolutely. I mean, I see bikers biking by and picking them as they go. It's just, you know, it, it just amazes me how many people eat out of the boxes and, and how they've been enjoyed and how they have not been vandalized. That's how you know something's working. Like That's you're in a community with so much economic, social, I guess the feast and the famine, I call it the have and have not community. Really. There's such a disparity and you can see it from, you know, we're sitting across from the Venice Skill Center and this has been in our community for eons and they have adult adult uh, skill-based center so you can learn english so you can learn different trade skills that's been here way longer than i've been and they love it they the think boxes. it's really yeah absolutely yeah. they think it's really supported the community and they love the fact that it grows food and that people can eat it they love the fact that we work with the saint joseph center another local organization with their culinary department they know that we are not mocking right we're not infringing we're not just pushing out, we're actually inviting in. And I think that there's a lot of nonprofit work that goes on that is very positive, and there's some that have extreme negative impact. And I think that knowing the goal of this is community healing gardens, that all things grow with love, not to sound hippy-dippy, but if you put that in your ethos and you live that model, sky's the limit. Everybody has their go-to gardening tools that they reach for day after day, and I'm so excited to partner with the brand that happens to make many of my favorite tools, Fiskars. Not only do I believe in Fiskars products, but they support community gardens like those we're discussing today, and the Fiskars brand philosophy truly goes hand-in-hand hand with Grow What You Love. For generations, Fiskars has designed comfortable, durable, easy-to-use tools that allow people to find even more happiness in the activities they love. What started with the iconic orange-handled scissors has evolved into innovative tools for the kitchen, the craft room, school, and of course, the garden. After all, the right tools can certainly help you grow more of what you love. Now, longtime readers of my blog will likely notice my beloved Fiskars micro-tip pruning snips in many of my photographs, as well as Fiskars pruners, loppers, shears, and saws. I invite you to discover your new favorites at Fiskars.com. Tell me a little bit more about the culinary component, because I know that sure. there's an internship. Yes. So I think I mentioned earlier in our talk about the St. Joseph Center. So they've been around over 30 years plus plus in the Venice community. They were started by the sisters, you know, like nuns. The whole point of it was to help people get on their feet, help less fortunate humans. And the goal is to still do that. So they help employment-barriered men and women to get back into society. And then they work with these adults, whether it's in culinary arts or coding. They have food pantries, social services, you name it. They work with families, elders, men and women. And this culinary program, except anybody over 18 up to whatever, if you're 80 years old and you want to go, they'll, they'll accept you. So there's an application process. 
and if, if they get in it's free so we contacted the school because they have a work experience kitchen on rose next to my favorite coffee shop the oldest coffee shop in venice groundwork and they feed 100 men and women a day that are homeless and working to make their lives a better place you have a job retraining program and then you have this program or a partnership or sister or brother program yeah, it's all under the St. Joseph's banner. And so the culinary school, the culinary school students, tongue twister, yeah. work part time at the Bread and Roses kitchen. And then they go to class for eight weeks and then they do an eight week internship. The culinary program has a 16 week program. It's eight weeks in the kitchen, eight weeks external in a restaurant and an internship. In the eight first eight weeks that they're in class, they the culinary students come out with me into the field and learn about gardening, where your food comes from, food foraging. As we walk the streets, they see rosemary, lemons, you know, kumquat trees, mangoes, you know, whatever is growing. I mean, it's just, and when they spot it, now they see it more. So it's like, oh, there's an artichoke, there's a this, there's that, like right in front of us, there's an artichoke. So, so they're learning to recognize food. When I was in college studying botany, my professor would talk about the green blurs and he would say, you know, most of us have the green blurs. And this process of learning sure. plants and creating relationships with plants eliminates that. You start recognizing plants for their individual character. That's right. And what I found in my work is that when you pay attention to plants, they direct us, they give us signposts on how to work with them, how to cook with them. You begin to understand their flavor profile and how to pair them and because they're at hand. And so you're mm. learning to recognize their identity by how they look, but you also learn their texture and their flavor and their fragrance. And that intuitively, I think, leads us down the path of knowing how to cook with them. And you're doing that with your program. You're connecting the dots. So people get to see this food. It's not just in the grocery store. It's living and growing. They get to be a part of the seed to the plant, to the root, whatever part of the plant they're eating. And, and then they're tasting it, maybe on the spot next to the box, right here on a Venice street. And they're, then they're cooking with it in maybe a job retraining program, or they're cooking with it to feed underserved people. That And they're feeding themselves. So they take the food home for themselves. Like I, I gave them a lesson about herbs and how to recognize the herbs by the smells. Cause some, some of them mimic each other. So like mint and basil are the same family. Lemon verbana can look like mint. Chocolate mint looks like mint. Spearmint, like everything starts to look like everything until you taste it or smell it. And then most people don't know that lavender is a perennial. Mm -hmm. And this is all stuff I've learned. Like I'm, I would say I'm more self-taught. You're, you're more well-educated. So I was like, oh my God, I'm having a talk with this amazing woman who knows so much and I could learn so much about farming. And it would be probably really great for me to come up and spend like a weekend with you farming because I probably could learn a lot and you can give me a crash course. So I'm going to take you up on that even though you didn't invite me. I'm kind of inviting myself. <laughs> having those skills really helps them. They get a little lot of recommendation from us and they know. They know things that they never knew. They know where an artichoke comes from. They know how a Brussels sprout's grown. They know how a squash is grown. They know the difference between squash leaves and cucumber leaves because they can be deceiving. You know, it's like they learn. They know where a squash blossom comes from now. You know, they walk down the street and they smell rosemary and lavender and sage growing on their streets now. So it's, they right. just know and, and it's they know great. They can, they can eat those flowers. Absolutely. And they know they can cook with them and they know new ways of of understanding where this plant is coming from and what does it do and what are the medicinal properties and the 
food properties. And the seasonality. And, yes. And, and a lot of these plants Correct. are plants that you would never find in the grocery store, especially the flowers or the herbs with the flowers. And I think I find that those are so valuable in cooking. Oh, most people don't know that rosemary makes purple little flowers. And that you can eat them? That's right. And they don't know that sage has flowers. They don't, they just don't know. Like, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know. Or that... Or and that I it, came from a home of foodies and I didn't know, but I also grew <laughs> up in the city, I grew up in New York City, so... But my dad had a green thumb and we used to have a plot on the West Side Highway in a community garden space and all I remember is it had a lock on it and we had to pay dues. And I was like, yeah, not into that. Right. Hence the street side garden boxes, no membership, no gate. But I do have a green thumb from my daddy and um, he owned a flower store in Long Island and he never sold a carnation because he said it wasn't a flower. Really? He said carnations are not flower, they're weeds. He called them weeds. He said they're not flowers, they're weeds. I only sell sustainably sourced flowers, even though they were coming from Hawaii and California. It was, he was a forward thinker, it was called Pick and Petals. And he was just a forward thinker and always thought outside the box. And he's like, I'm not selling a carnation. So you know how like, there's a company called Farm Girl? Yeah, right? yeah, Farm Girl so My flowers. dad's flower arrangements looked like that before there was Farm Girl. So he started the slow flower movement before it was even the slow flower movement. I would say, yeah, in the, in the early 80s, this was his business. So with that being said, you know, I think that I learned so much by, by being of service and, and showing up. I mean, this is not my full-time job. This is my legacy project. And mm. I really took it on and took ownership of it. So you have this food component, you have this green technology oh. sustainability component. Yes, we do. You're feeding people, you're feeding the community on all these levels, which they could seem separate, but they're really unified. Well, what food. do you think our one problem is or our one challenge is? What do you think? In this community? Yeah, what do you think? What do you think is one of the challenges, not just not in the community so much, but what do you think? What are the challenges? Like, what do we need to grow food besides sun? Right. We need, we need water. And you have, I mean, okay, <laughs> right here, right now, this, the way you water these boxes is water made from air. Water made from air. And it's crazy. I mean, it's amazing that it's possible. And most, it's, it's not only possible, it's real. It's real. And most, I mean, until I heard about your program, I'm in gardening. I haven't heard about people using this technology to water their gardens, water their plants, water these boxes that are sitting by the road. You're capturing water from air. That is just... Isn't that mind-blowing? It's totally mind-blowing. It's totally mind-blowing. So it's a pretty new technology too. Isn't yeah, it? it is and it's not, and I'll explain the background of it. So water made from air. We got very lucky, a local architect contacted us, but he's a world-renowned architect by the name of David Hertz. He has a company that goes beyond sustainable building where he builds for the environment. That's how he, he coined it. And he's a genius. His wife, Laura Doss Hertz, who's also an amazing woman, sits on our board. David Hertz rang us and he said he could solve our water problem. And I said, you can solve our water problem how? You're going to let me use the spigot at your house every day to fill up, you know, <laughs> 70 drums. boxes. Yeah. Well, yeah, 50 gallon drums on the back of a pickup truck. He goes, yes, I am, but it's going to be my, you're going to go to where my office is and you're going to go to the back of the building and you're going to see a water machine and it makes water from air. And I was like, what? Slow down. He's an avid surfer, conservationist, like he gets it. And I saw the machine, it's called Sky Source. We pull water made from air now. His wife joined our board and they're like fully invested in what we're doing. 
They just won XPRIZE with a system called We Do, W-E-D-E-W. So check it out. There's also a film about us on skysource.org. Check that out. We did a short film together a couple years ago. I mean, it's just, it's been a brilliant relationship. So he's, he's dedicated his work to giving back to his community. Yeah, the 85 gallons we pull usually every time, about twice a week. And his architecture firm is a few blocks away from Rose on a street called Market. And he also has a water wall where anybody can go up and refill their bottle, get clean water. Oh, you're kidding. So it's not just for community healing gardens. No, no. This for the community. This is for the community. People can go and get water captured yeah. by the air. Yeah, right off the beach, off of Market, Horizon Court, and Speedway. Does he, uh, this might be off topic, but has he open sourced this or does he, is, how is this technology getting out to the rest of the world? The technology is getting out through different jobs that they've been getting with nonprofits and private individuals and private funders. And they've been, since winning X Prize and a $1.5 million prize, they're reinvesting, they're reinvesting that winning prize money into their company and scaling it and mm-hmm. seeing how they can get the cost down and the scalability up and working with different nonprofits and for-profits and venture capitalists that want to save our issue of water, whether it's water here getting privatized or lack of clean water, you know, overseas in, in underdeveloped countries. So he's being smart and diversifying his his reach and how he's getting there. And him and his wife, Laura Das Hertz, are on a mission and they're unstoppable. And the goal is to bring a <laughs> we do to Watts. <laughs> That's amazing. So you have a Watts program. So yes. Community Healing Gardens is here in Venice, but you also have a Watts program. And the Watts program was a happy accident. Do you get those in life, those happy accidents? Yes. And we were, a we God were talking shot. about that. A we God have to shot. be open. Sometimes I think when we, we, when we feel like life is going a little bit sideways or, you know, it's not going the direction we had planned, something happens that is actually better than you could have imagined. And maybe that is Watts. Yes. Life throws you new choices and directions. We really just wanted to create a program here, and we created an after-school program, too, at the Oakwood Rec Center for five- to eight-year-olds that go to this program that there's not a lot of outdoor activity unless you play sports. And we actually give them the program, meaning we don't charge them. Same thing with the St. Joseph Center. They don't give us money for these programs. Mm -hmm. We could probably go after grants together, and we've gotten grants for these programs, and individual donors and local businesses have pitched in and all of that, which is great. But at the same time, you know, money is always, you know, for a scrappy nonprofit is always important to have, like not just capturing it here and there, but ongoing funds. So anybody listening can give communityhealinggardens.org. Right. And we will put it on the website, yeah, on the podcast yeah, website. Yeah. And you can also search for Community Healing Gardens and go, go straight to the source right. to support so, the program. So a volunteer led us to Watts and that's how it organically happened and we saw we could have a school program that if we did it right could be open source and blueprinted and we could have chapters like a surf rider does eventually so we took it on and we got our first grant around it for 60k and we were off and running and it's an acre property that was laying dormant on the only public middle school in Watts Los Angeles which is about 13 miles from here and a food desert right so you've 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 taken this box concept and you added it to the school, an acre lot on a school that is a food desert. And what's the transformation been? We broke through glass ceilings. We got an MOU with LAUSD, which is mind boggling because a lot of garden organizations can't do it. We got lucky with the principal and the school and they embraced what we wanted to do. We stuck it out, we wrote it out, we weathered the storm. Now we are an elective 
They gave us innovation money for a teacher. We just found a new teacher that is LAUSD accredited. We got really lucky with that. She got pushed off a, a project at a private school, was there for almost 10 years and was so upset because she poured her heart and soul into it. And I said, you know, that's life. And you were brought to us. It's like the fairies, not to sound woo-woo, but the fairies appear when you need them. And I feel so blessed. We work with a summer camp that leases out the school property. So we have a year-round program, and now they want to partner in this fall, winter, and spring to do an after-school program with us. And I love them. And the lady that runs the organization, Joyce Robinson from the Harold Robinson Foundation, she's in my new BFF. Like, literally, I feel like I've met my people. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're doing the right thing, you meet your people. Mm-hmm. This is definitely not get a get a get rich job at all. But this is get rich in a whole nother way rich. And I think that when you do what you love, life throws you some really great things to move it forward. And not saying it's easy. Life is never easy in the nonprofit world, but the magic happens when you stop looking for it and you just realize why you're doing what you're doing. And the more that I lean into the adversities or the challenges or the fact that I'm a white girl in Watts and don't let them see me sweat and my team, you know, getting people enrolled from the community, like the high school students we hired for the summer and, you know, little by little getting more community involvement and responsibility and jobs created, we can create a huge movement around food and locally sourced grown hyper local food where in Watts we could put these boxes on every corner. So it's like other schools, you know, the community at large is a two mile radius community. It's kind of reminds me of Venice. It's like a pocket within a pocket. So it's a Los Angeles County, part of like Venice, but it runs on its own thing. Like mm-hmm. Venice runs on its own energy, right? It's right. Venice. It's Venice. Even it though we're in LA, it's Venice. There's no other place like it in the world. Same thing with Watts. That's why I know we'll work there. It's it's getting the buy-in from the community. It's getting buy-in from the school, the churches, the pastors, the neighborhood council. And we've shown up and they have now opened their arms and more and more doors are opening there and more and more funding is coming in because of that door opening. And it's not just the school, but the community at large. And we made sure in our agreement with the school and the school board that we could have community days of service and we could be open to the public and, you know, within reason and being safe. And because this is a different community with four main gangs and, you know, a lot of systemic issues, cultural and systemic. You strike me as a person who can be very convincing and because you've made these things happen. You, you got this program to happen in Watts. You said you broke glass ceilings. Yeah, but it's not just me. It's a team. It's like a we and I, you know, yes, I've done a lot of work and I'm not going to, I'm not going to discount myself out of it to say I haven't worked day and night on this and pushed through. But if I didn't have the right team along with it, and then as I go, I get new team members and maybe some team members fell away and they serve their purpose, like friends in our lives, right? They come and go. When we first met, one of the things you said you've learned through the process of creating and growing community healing gardens has been asking for help and allowing yourself to ask for help. To me, that seems like one of your best pieces of advice because I think, especially as a woman, I feel like I can do everything. I I have to do it myself because if I don't do it myself, it won't get done the way I need it to get done and I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it all. Exactly, but that's what we do as women, especially strong, assertive women like us. We're headstrong, we know how we want it. It's like when you know how you want something to be executed, are you gonna take the time to explain it or are you just gonna do it? 
But what I've also been taught in my years of prior to doing what I'm doing, I was always taught to surround yourself with people that know more than you about the subject matter and the tasks and the goals. And I came into that in my third to fourth year of running this nonprofit that I see myself doing more of that and leaning into that and, and all of the answers to the challenges are being answered because now I feel like I have a very strong team of people that have gone before me to do this work. And I love that when I hear laughter on the streets from my neighbors. It's so great. It's such a great laugh. Right? It really is. I mean, that's the colorfulness of Venice, why I love Venice, because we have such cast of characters here. It's, you can't make it up. The people watching is amazing. And when I get to work out on the streets on the weekends for a volunteer day or work with the kids or the interns on the at the St. Joseph Center on Thursday mornings, like you can't make up the cast of characters that roll through. And it's so funny. Of course, the days that I'm out on the street, I see everybody I know, whether it's the old lady down the street who, you know, has been living here for 60 years, or it's Roberta who owns this house we're sitting in front of, or it's, you know, all the diehards that go to the coffee bar in the morning and sit there and, you know, kibitz and yenta with each other. So a Jewish girl from New York says the yentas <laughs> of the neighborhood sit together, you know, and they all know me. They either know me as the garden lady or they know me as Nicole, you know, but if they can't remember my name, they just call me the garden lady. It's like, sounds like something my grandmother would be called, right? The garden lady, look at her. She's coming through. Look out. Here look she out. She's right? going to make us plant something. And exactly. Try to, try to eat something. Exactly. So, so what is your story? So you're, you're, you're from New York, but you're, you're now a Venice native. Yeah, I mean, I've been in LA 20 years and I live in Venice almost 10 years, West Sider, and I'm a beach girl. I grew up going to the beach every summer with my family. I mean, I was really, I was really lucky. We weren't rich by any means, but I had a comfortable upbringing and then, you know, just always had parents that made sure I didn't go without, right? And that's really important because when I go to some place like Watt, it doesn't matter if the mom or the dad wants to give the child everything, they don't have the means, right? So it's a lot of not talking about that, not making that the subject matter, making the subject matter nature and the living classroom and the peace and tranquility of the space and the openness you can get with the child and the walls that you can break down with them and the safe space and the, for them to play and learn from each other and trust because, you know, Tommy's family might be feuding with John's family. You don't think about that, right? When I work with the kids, here at the Oakwood Rec Center and the after school program, or I even work with the, you know, interns from the St. Joseph Center that might have been incarcerated or coming out of a halfway house or, you know, homeless. 25% of those people are homeless. And same thing with the students at Markham, 25% of them are homeless plus plus. And most of their meals they only eat at school. Then you know what reality is. So we talk about how we send money overseas for people to have shelter and clean water and food in their stomach. I mean, any Californian should just come with me to Watts. There's plenty of those cities within cities all over. And we need help. And I'm sure you know who the World Surf League is. Yes. So we met with them yesterday and they want to do a community day of service and they're going to come to Watts. And they're going to get their minds blown. They're literally going to have their minds blown, you know? And that's what's so exciting is, like I said, when people are calling you, you know you're doing something right. Absolutely. I'm sure I, people call you all the time and say, Emily, I read your book and I want to know more. And you know, that's exciting. It, you know, it's not about the money. It's about like, that's got to fill you up when mm -hmm. somebody reaches out and says, I've read mm -hmm. your book. I want to know more. Can I pick your brain? Or you get a note saying, thank you so much for your book. Or they're messaging you through Instagram. Mm -hmm. And like, you see somebody who like responds to that, right? Do that's, you respond to that what, stuff? That is what is the driving force is touching other people's lives and creating something that's meaningful. 
So when are you going to write a book about all of your interviews on your podcast and all these special people and like recipes and like their farming, like, like hacks? And wouldn't that be a fun book to write? Be, I have so many book ideas. See? I love that book idea. Isn't that a fun That's book idea? That's why I'm idea? taking pictures while I'm here. So a lot of these pictures that I'm taking today, I'll, I'm going to take more of you, will be on the podcast website, but I'm adding the, all of those to my library for any possible future project. And I feel that your story and, and the stories of so many others are stories we need to hear. This is a story we all need to hear and we need to share. So listeners, if you've heard this podcast, please share the story with someone else and the power of starting to start with something. Yeah, and, I mean, anything's possible. Anything's possible. And if you have a passion for it, if what Nicole has said, you know, do what you love, if you have the opportunity to even spend 10 minutes a day doing something you love that love will grow grow what you love right that's my whole that's my whole thing and i i really believe that it's true well your grow what you love is kind of like your coin phrase and we've coined all things grow with love so it's come it, on now it's the, it same. Means the same thing it's it just the, we say it differently but it all leads back to the same road right and like you know it took me i don't mind saying it, it took me till i was 50 to realize that i could play like a kid and do okay you know, mm -hmm. I work with plants. I, I work with a beverage brand right now that's plant-based. I get to work with some really amazing companies still and do what I love. And they respect the work that I'm doing here. And I'm okay with that. And they're okay with that. And like, I find work that when you can be authentic with people you work with, you can consult and frame and architect your life. And that's what I'm doing. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, I don't need the desk job anymore, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need to have those entertainment clients where I feel pushed around. I, I want to feel empowered and that people have my back. And the company I'm working with now, Zola, is so exciting because that company allows me to have this legacy project, mm -hmm. right? And everything feeds everything. Is there anything we haven't spoken about you think is really critical for people to know about Community Healing Gardens? Community Healing Gardens is a volunteer-based organization. So without volunteers, we don't run. So... The, one of the biggest priorities is making sure we have volunteer days, ways for people to get involved, to volunteer, to sign up. We love families coming out with their kids. We do two to three volunteer days a month. In the summertime, we open to anybody to come during the week to Watts. So the volunteer aspect, right? Hence the word community healing gardens is that we create community wherever we go. Right, that is the backbone. That's the heartbeat of this of this program. Oh yeah, communities can be unstoppable together, better together, right? We are better together. Yeah. This has been fun. This Thank has been you really so fun. much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Learn more about Nicole and see some snapshots of her and the garden boxes lining the streets of Venice Beach on the podcast blog, growwhatyoulove.love. You'll also find links to Community Healing Garden's website and socials there. Follow them on Instagram and learn more about their community events on Facebook. Follow Nicole on Instagram at girlygreen1. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, give it a thumbs up if you like it, and please leave a review. Follow me, Emily Murphy, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, you name it, at Pat. Pass the pistol. That's P I S 
T-I-L is in part of a flower. And find my book, Grow What You Love, wherever books are sold. Now, this show was made possible thanks to Fiskars. For generations, Fiskars has been at the forefront of cultivating happiness, designing tools that nurture creativity, elevate ability, and allow you to do more of what makes you happy. Favorites among passionate people worldwide, Fiskars ensures that every tool they make feels like it was designed just for you, which means you can count on them for unmatched comfort and performance. Whether your happiness lies in growing your own produce, tending to your flower beds, creating in the kitchen, or DIYing your living space, discover the entire portfolio at Fiskars.com. I'd also like to thank Nicole for making time in her busy schedule to meet with me, Kevin Basel for sound engineering, Disher Sound, Resonant Recordings, and Lauren Siri, Julie Harris-Walker, Lassa Dracovich, Josh Murphy, Laura Ling, and all of you, thank you for supporting and believing in me. I'm Emily Murphy, and this is Grow What You Love. Because there's so many components to these beds. It's not just that they're here and that they're beautifying the community. It goes past that. I mean, yeah, they, they were built one at a time and they were laid one at a time. We did it block by block and we had everybody coming out. We made like a party. You know, think about a block party, right? It, people came out of their houses. We had live music. We had tents on street corners and we didn't ask permission. We just did it. We saw an ordinance was lifted and we were like, let's just do it. Let's go. It's like a barn raising party, but on <laughs> on a public a public street, basically. Basically. A box raising party. A box raising party. Yeah.